Federal News Network's Open Season Hotline, presented by GEHA. Today's question, I'm retiring soon. What do I need to do to continue my health care benefits? The answer is, to keep your health insurance benefits into retirement, you must have first retired on an immediate annuity. That is, one which begins to accrue no later than one month after the date of your final separation. Second, you have to have been continuously enrolled or covered as a family member in an FEHB plan for the five years of service just preceding retirement, or if it's been less than five years, for all of the service since your first opportunity to enroll. Check out our open season hotline presented by GEHA. Head to federalnewsnetwork.com and search Open Season Hotline. Send us your questions. We'll read answers daily at 6 past the hour here on The Federal Drive. The Trump administration has laid out a strategy for artificial intelligence and predictive analytics in government. It means agencies need to get a better handle on their own data. So the White House will soon release a final version of its federal data strategy, and that's setting goals for agency chief data officers. One of their biggest challenges will be culture change. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. Agencies are sitting on a treasure trove of valuable information, but in many cases, that data is messy, unstructured, or scattered across the enterprise. Chief data officers are supposed to help make sense of all that data, but getting the rest of the agency on board with that data strategy can be a challenge. Tim Persons is the chief scientist at the Government Accountability Office. Speaking on a panel hosted by GovExec and Defense One, he said agencies hiring data scientists could be a game changer for how they carry out their mission. But he said it'll take a different management approach. I personally think that uh, we're entering a, a renaissance for management and leadership to be able to use this. I think it requires a cultural change in thinking, our different workforce strategy. I think culture is the main frictional point on this, but we can seize that and do that. There are certainly challenges. Data are not often easy. We have often lots of it, but it's not in the right form. So I don't want to you know, soft pedal the idea that there are indeed challenges, that's for sure. But I think the opportunities and the ROI on this particular activity strategically is uh, incredible. In some cases, DOD has found some pockets of excellence. The Defense Logistics Agency, for example, has used Robotic Process Automation, or RPA, to get a better handle on its supply chain data. DLA keeps track of more than a million stock-keeping units, or SKUs, for products used by the military. But Michael Conlin, the Defense Department's chief data officer, said his job is to bring a data-centric culture to all of DOD. He said tools like RPA can only get the Pentagon so far. The challenge becomes people want to talk about technology and really cool tools, and there are wonderful tools. And I'm a guy that writes Python code and trains machine learning algorithms and wrangles data, so I like the tools. But if we don't start from a cultural change, we're not going to get where we need to go. The Department of Defense does not have a culture of data-centered decision-making. We have a culture of rule-centric decision-making. What's the Uniform Code of Military Justice? What are the rules of engagement, et cetera? And experience-centric decision-making. The problem with experience-centric decision-making is that all experience is local. It's isolated. And the department is large and scattered and with a complex organization. And so all of those experiences are different from one another. Uh, And they don't bring a department-wide perspective. One of the biggest challenges of bringing that data culture to DOD is modernizing its Defense Readiness Reporting System, or DERS. The agency stood up DERS in the early 2000s to get data-driven insights on its ability to carry out the national security defense strategy. But Veronica Daigle, the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Readiness, said it's time to give DERS an overhaul. DERS is very good at giving you a current snapshot 
Um, but it really wasn't designed uh, with that idea of, of predictive analysis. That is definitely something that we know we need to do. Um, and that's also important just for planning purposes, you know, as we look forward. You know, what is it? What are the forces that we're going to need? How ready do we need them to be? And then when we're planning our budgets and our programs going forward, uh, how do we ensure that we're targeting resources to the right place? Congress, as part of the 2019 defense spending bill, passed legislation that requires DOD to consolidate its readiness reporting systems. Three of the military services already have their own systems. But Daigle said the overhaul gives the agency an opportunity to make the interface easier for users who input information. And Conlin said this overhaul of DERS gives DOD an opportunity to make data-driven decisions at an enterprise level. Our challenge jointly with DERS and readiness reporting, my challenge broadly is to enable decisions on a department-wide basis. Our, our secretary, our deputy secretary, all of the direct reports to those individuals want to make decisions that optimize the ecosystem of the Department of Defense. There's no sense in optimizing the Air Force and neglecting the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the back office, logistics functions, etc. When you optimize individual components of an ecosystem, by definition, you will break the ecosystem. So we're now trying to make department-wide decisions to optimize the performance. And after all, when we compete against an adversary, we compete on a department-wide basis. This is, this is everybody's in. So we've got to get to a department-wide perspective on the data. The Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act tasks CDOs with using agency data to predict future outcomes and then measure their confidence in those predictions. But Conlin said the department still suffers from data quality issues. Part of our challenge has been there are still human beings tapping on keyboards to put data into systems instead of having it being generated automatically in the field through sensors, and et cetera, sensors and scanners and, and uh, platforms. And that's really what you want to be doing. When we look at Uber and we look at Lyft and we look at the and Airbnb and we look at these organizations that are changing the world, they're fundamentally world-class data organizations. And part of our challenge is to get to be a world-class data organization, not only because we owe it to the taxpayer, not only because the president's management agenda calls for it, not only because the president's executive order on American leadership in AI calls for it, but because we're the Department of Defense. So we need to take a leading position on this because the, the nation is depending on us. For all the challenges in standing up a data-centric culture in the DOD, Daigle said a lack of data isn't one of them, but breaking down data silos is. There actually is a lot of data in the department. And uh, for me, it is sometimes trying to figure out what is the most meaningful data that I should be looking at to answer a particular question. Sometimes you can get caught where you're focused on a particular set of data. And so that is informing your decisions, but you're losing sight of maybe the bigger picture or other information that may be out there. So I think it's getting that wider view. Uh, that's, that's where I think we can do a lot better. We tend to have data sometimes in silos and kind of breaking down those walls so that we're sharing data more. To get a sense of just how much data the DOD has, its recent digital modernization strategy showed the agency has more than 10,000 operational systems. Here, Conlin breaks down the scope of that challenge. Every one of those systems was put in place by a different team of people meeting a different set of requirements with a different budget for different customers in a different place at a different time over a time scale of 60 years of IT. It's like working in an archaeological dig. You name it, we got it. And I would challenge you to find two instances of the same data schema 
across those 10,000 operational systems. The data schemas are naturally different. And as somebody used to write code for a living, um, this does not surprise me at all because it's not just us, it's many large organizations. But that variety is an enormous challenge. But other agencies have shown progress. Persons said GAO recently hired a chief data scientist to work on improper payments. We are partnering with the deputy CFO at OMB just because there's $1.4 trillion as an estimate of improper payments over a decade. That's trillion with a T, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so what could you do? There's absolutely no controversy politically about trying to save that kind of money in case it's the fraud, waste, and abuse wedge of that. But there's also the stupid double payments, that kind of thing that we often do, and it becomes a pay and chase thing for for our inspector general and so on and, and other issues. So trying to save on that, trying to, to uh, bring transparency to what's going on, building those management dashboards so you can actually do that enterprise risk management. Jory Heckman, Federal News Network. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever. So you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. 